0: everybody. Welcome back to another episode of my show. I'm Father Roderick, and I was about to say weekly show, but last week I had to skip the recording of my shows because I am so busy getting ready for my upcoming move to another town. I'll tell you all about it and about lots of other things in this show. As usual, a big, big thank you to all my supporters on Patreon.com slash Father Roderick. You guys rock. Do you know what's going on? This is what's happening in your world. Face it, Catholics rule. We got Boston, South America, the good part of Ireland, and we're making serious inroads in Mozambique, baby. You've taken your first step into a larger world. I've taken my first step into a larger world. That is how I've been feeling for Months now. It's like every day is another step, a big step, sometimes a smaller step. But I'm getting ready to leave Tatooine behind and move to unknown regions of the Netherlands. Actually, now that I think of it, sounds like like an area on, on Tatooine. In case you've missed what's going on right now, I am moving i'm leaving the rectory where i've been living for 2 years i'm leaving the city where i've worked as a priest for almost 17 years and i am going to move to a town uh, that's about half an hour away from here so especially if you live in larger countries like canada or north america or australia you're just like uh, so basically you're <laughs> you're moving to the other end of the street. Fear for the Netherlands that is actually uh, uh, quite a step. And it means that I have uh, I have to move all my stuff and that's not just, my bed, my cupboards, my kitchen utensils, my equipment, but it's also all the material that I have gathered over the years to to do my media work. So, we used to have an office. Last year we closed it down because of COVID because we were we had to like many others completely change our operations to to adapt to the, to, the, to the situation where you really can't have multiple people working in the, same, in the same room anymore. And so basically anything I do right now is either online, uh, like for instance, recording this, um, or I, I just go out and take a camera with me and interview people at a safe social distance. And then I edit it, and uh, and then it's aired on on TV. But there is no need to be working with multiple people in in the same building anymore. Which, but it still means that I have like m- multiple desks and computers and tripods, cameras, all sorts of equipment. And for the past weeks we've been sorting through that uh, and when i say we i mean inge and also hank uh, who you may know if you've ever seen the online masses that we uh, that we uh, stream um he's he's one of the acolytes and the two of them have been a tremendous help in basically helping me get through all the micro decisions um i don't know some of you may be living in where they are for for many many years but if you've recently moved or just a few years ago you may remember that the hardest part is not the physical aspect of packing. It's the decisions. It's like every single thing that goes through your hands and that you put in a box, you have to ask yourself, is this useful? Am I going to use this in the future? Or am I going to take it with me? Am I going to burden myself with all that extra weight? Or if can I, can I get rid of it? Can I sell it or give it away or throw it away? Of course, you try to throw away as, as little as possible. Um, but... In some cases, it's just inevitable because sometimes you keep stuff that is no longer, that doesn't even work. I mean, I, mean, I came across cables from the the olden era of, of, what was it? These these huge printer cables, you know, this was before USB, and they would have like all these different connectors. And uh, speaking of USB cables, I, I think I must have discovered all, at least 40 of them in all sorts of lengths and shapes and some were broken and some worked. Uh, same thing with HDMI cables, uh, audio cables. Oh my goodness, so much audio uh, stuff. And most of it is no longer necessary since I now work with the Rodecaster, which works really, really well. And for the the video uh, stuff, I record everything on camera and then I mix it in software. So the actual like even a mixer is no longer necessary because I used a roadcaster for that. And uh, so I, I got rid of so much stuff. I, when I had to make an inventory for the moving company uh, because I didn't want to, uh, to, to to burden my friends with you know helping me move, you know ourselves of course that would would be a lot cheaper but it's also you know you have to carry all that you know the the furniture and the equipment etc so the moving company asked me to make a uh, an approximate um, an approximation of the amount of boxes that needed to be moved and so we went from room to room made took notes and then we calculated that we would probably need about 90 boxes which is it's <laughs> just an awful amount of, of stuff, and, and I remember that two years ago when I moved here from the previous rectory, I, I remember preaching one day about uh, how that made me think, what, what do you really need to be happy? And I, I recall my time when I was walking to uh, Santiago, and the only thing I carried was my backpack with about seven or eight kilograms of stuff. And I never had the feeling that I missed anything. And so I told my parishioners, well, what if I can just keep what will fit into 10 boxes? And I really thought that I could do it. like get rid of anything but the contents of three box of, of 10 boxes and then some furniture because of course furniture is you, you still need to have a bed, you need to have a place where you put your your uh, your pans and your forks and knives. um and then, of course, I failed miserably. I remember some parishioners uh, laughing at me, was like, come on, 10 boxes. <laughs> sure, <laughs> good luck with that. And, of course, that didn't work out at all. Uh, but this, in this case, I was, I was absolutely determined to get rid of a lot of stuff because, in a, in, in a certain way, these two year, past two years, maybe also because of COVID, have been an ongoing process of decluttering. And, and, and especially, it's not even decluttering. It is focusing on what is truly essential and what you, it's also a mental process. I've, I've learned to choose what to pursue and what not. And a lot of the stuff that we normally surround ourselves with, we don't really need it. But we keep it just in case. And the just in case part is usually because we have this uh, this idea that well, maybe I can still do this or maybe I can do that. I, I remember having an entire or buying a whole bunch of uh tools to because I wanted to learn how to paint and I was absolutely determined to make that a new hobby of mine you know i would start to learn how to, i always loved drawing as a kid so i would i would learn and, and follow some courses and maybe look on youtube how to how to paint and then of course i never got around doing that i didn't have the space i didn't have the time and then ultimately i ended up uh, getting an ipad with one of those uh, apple pencils so if i want to paint of course i would do it digitally now because it's much easier <laughs> And <laughs> I can just mess around without causing a mess, literally. So uh, it's just one example of, of, of what... Of, of, I had so many ideas and so many like uh, things that I thought, well, maybe one day I will need that. The moment you stop thinking like that, the moment you, you choose, well, this is what I need right now. This is what I'm good at. This is what I'm pursuing. And what do I need to make that happen? You can always, in the future, when something new comes around... Uh, or when you suddenly have time, you can always get the stuff then, but never keep something for, for that just-in-case stuff. Because so otherwise, you'll end up with a house full of of, of clutter. Um, so for me, the, the whole process of focusing has tr- truly helped me over the past two years to reduce the amount of stuff that I need. And I knew that the day would come that I would have to sort through all the equipment and and, you know, get lean and mean. And that's what we've been doing for the past three weeks. Um, And I am actually, I'm a little bit sad and I'm like super excited that I've been able to reduce the number of boxes that I need from 90 to only 45. Like every, almost everything is packed now. And I've only used half of the boxes. The reason that I'm also a bit sad about that is that I paid for 90 boxes. So I think that if I would make an inventory now, I would get a new quote on the cost of the mo- of of moving. It would probably cut the price in half. And since it's a pretty high price, <laughs> that would have saved me some money. But on the other hand, you know, it is what it is. You need to make a decision. And I want, to, of course, if I would have made the the... Looked at my inventory now, I would be too late that would it wouldn't be, wouldn't be possible to arrange for uh, the moving company to help me anyway so uh, and the the complicating factor is that I will have to stay for a couple of weeks, maybe even a few months in the rectory of a good friend of mine, father Henry, uh, because the house where I will be moving in in Bennecombe, is not ready yet uh, the people uh, that are currently Living there will only move, uh, I think, around the f- maybe in two weeks from now. Uh, and then the house itself has to be refurbished, and uh, there's a lot that needs to be done. Um, and I, I've i decided that it's maybe better to first get everything in order and paint everything and, you know, get make sure the, the kitchen is there, etc., before I move in. Um, I initially wanted to move there and then start refurbishing. But then, you know, I've been in that situation for years. And the thing is, it, get, it never gets done. It's better to just focus. Again, it's about focus. Make sure everything is in place and everything looks nice and then move in. So you don't have to worry about uh, uh, refurbishing the house anymore. So that's my current situation. It's going to be quite a, an interesting challenge, I think, to continue doing my work even though I am living basically in a small room in an attic. (laughs) It doesn't look like an attic. Well, actually, it is. I I just visited it this morning, and it's a large rectory. It's a huge house. Um, There are, in total, three students plus Father Henry, who will be living... Well, actually, I'm one of the three people that will be living. So we will be living with four people in that house, Um, and uh, the, the, the attic is so big that they've created three smaller rooms inside the attic. And the funny thing is the the, when you step into the middle of the attic, it looks like a, you know, everything is wood and it's dark and it's, but then they they made these kind of boxes inside the attic. And once you step in there, it actually looks like a regular room, a little bit old, but still uh, you wouldn't, you wouldn't believe it that you can't tell that you're actually inside an attic. It's so funny, Uh, but anyway. So uh, uh, fortunately, the room has has a... Uh, I was going to say an altar, but that's <laughs> uh, that's because I'm a priest. Um, a desk, <laughs> in a certain way, an altar is also a, a table. But anyway, so it's, it's got a desk that is large enough for me to work on. So what I'm going to do is tomorrow, I'm going to bring all my equipment there, including my... You know, initially, I wanted to just to take a laptop, but now I'm thinking, you know... L- maybe I will have to stay there for more than a month, maybe two months. I just need my basic equipment. So I'm going to take even my green screen uh, behind me, plus the, the, what is it, the key lights that I bought from, um, it was not Logitech, but uh, Elgato. Um, so that basically, whenever I want to stream or whenever I want to record a YouTube video, I can just, just, you know, put up the, the green screen and you won't probably won't be able to tell that I'm in a totally different part of the Netherlands. Uh, that's that's kind of the magic of uh, all this new technology. And then, of course, I won't have to, won't really have to go out and film. But if uh, if it takes a while before I can get into my final home, uh, maybe I'll already start producing shows for uh, for the next season, or maybe international documentaries. We'll, we'll see. Um, one thing I'm looking forward to is to actually have time again to do that because for the past weeks it's been so insanely busy. <laughs> I'm, yeah, Maybe you can't tell from my voice, but I am so tired. <laughs> it's every day is uh, 10, 12 hours of work. Um, but we're finally approaching the end. Um, oh, another bit of news, and then I'm, I'll move on to the movies and TV section. Um, Last week, we had our last uh, Mass that we, uh, that we streamed from the St. Joseph's Church, next to which I live, uh, which was really wonderful. It was a parishioner who sponsored the the choir and the music, so it was a it was beautiful. It was so I was so proud, uh, and all this you know we, we we basically created this entire mass plus its following in 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 just one year, and it's a huge confirmation that it is possible to still touch people and to reach them wherever they are in the world with, it, as long as you focus on on the beauty of the liturgy itself, and also uh, if you connect with the with the the questions and the world that people live in, um, and so I was still last Sunday unsure if I could continue that because, of course, I, I will now be just a guest in Father Henry's parish. He also already has an international mass, but it's very different in tone and style than what I'm doing. And and if, and I think that what I do it has a, has a has a purpose. I mean, it, it serves a community uh, that is important to me. And I think needs its own style, and so, uh, but I wasn't sure how to do that because I don't want to just you know arrive there in a the parish and like take over masses or anything, or or I don't know, just just celebrate a mass like three kilometers away from another international mass that would be silly. So we've been uh, we found a solution. We're going to stream Holy Week masses, so Palm Sunday. Holy Thursday, Good Friday, and the Easter Vigil from the smaller day chapel of the central church in Wageningen, uh, which is, um, of course, that church will also have the Dutch uh, celebrations for Holy Week, but we're going to do this a little bit earlier, um, because of course we're kind of basically, we don't have to worry about time zones. The, the people that are following us are from all over the world, so for some people it will be early in the morning, for other people it will be late at night, and for most people it will be just, you know, it's somewhere, sometime in the middle of the day. So it's going to be maybe an even more international experience than it used to be, but because it's a smaller chapel, but it's still open, it is just separated from the rest of the church by um, a fence, um, and it's, it really feels like a church. So visually, it's really nice. And it's got great acoustics. And we're going to go, just go back to simplicity. We're just going to do what we did basically a year ago in March when we were celebrating Holy Week at the beginning of the pandemic. And, and, and when the entire country was in lockdown, nobody could come to church. And for for months, we've been uh, streaming these masses with only like three or four people physically present and now that we're in this new situation i'm, I'm super excited that we, we know how to do that so we, we're going to continue these holy week celebrations so that if if you can't go go to church during what is for catholics at least the most important week of the of the year um we hope that some of you will be able to still uh have that you know the uh, experience all the all the the, the beauty and and the depth of the liturgy during that week, by by following us uh, during those uh, those celebrations online. So keep following us on YouTube, on Facebook, on Twitter, Instagram. That's where you will hear uh, when you can, when and where you can watch that. But I'm super excited that we can have cont- continuity. Plus, some of the volunteers that have helped me for this past year and that some well many of you are familiar with because they pop up now and then uh, on camera, they will also help me there. So I'm, I couldn't be happier. Uh, the, the worst thing that could happen is just like, I'm done here. Let's pull the plug. Uh, that, that feels so wrong. So um, again, it's, it's, it's probably just another sign that God's providence is at work and things are going to work out well. How do you not like movies? They're predictable. Like, the guy gets the girl and that kid sees dead people and Darth Vader is Luke's father. Not liking movies is like not liking puppies. They're fine. I just get bored and never make it to the end. You know, you need a movie education. You need a vacation. I'm going to give it to you. All right, since I skipped last week, because I was too busy to record the show, um, I have actually quite a few uh, TV series and movies that I would like to briefly touch upon. Uh, the first one I want to recommend is a series on Amazon Prime, and I've been watching a couple of episodes of the first season, and I'm hooked. It is really, really good. The show is called Hana, and if I'm correct, this is based on a movie, and then it was turned into a, an action-drama television series. The movie is from 2011 and it was actually also published on Prime Video. The series now uh, enters its third se- uh, season, so it's been renewed twice, which is usually a sign of good reception and and uh, um, so but I'm also glad because this is the type of story that 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 benefits from a longer development. And it tells this story of a 15-year-old girl, Hannah, at least when the story starts, who lives with a man that she considers to be her father, and maybe he himself also considers himself to be her father, but isn't truly her physical father, biological father, uh, Eric. And she is brought up in the middle of the woods in a forest in Poland. However, she's raised in English, and so the main language of the of the series is English, even though they travel the world. And you see lots of great places in Europe. That's one of the aspects that I love about this series. And at first, I thought actually that this was a European TV show because it felt so un-American in a certain way. I don't mean that in a negative way, but it felt a very different, different style, different even visual style. This is filmed with one of the most beautiful television or beautiful film cameras that you can get. Very, very hard to operate. Uh, costs of... Fortune, I think it like one camera is uh, uh, twenty five thousand dollars just the camera itself without the lenses. So this is really out of reach of almost anyone. Um, but it, it 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 pays off. It, it it's a beautifully gloomy, gorgeous, gorgeous television series. Um, color corrected. Uh, I, I'm talking about all these technicalities because that's kind of what I've been studying over the past months, you know, color correction and, and, and camera stuff. Um, but, you know, from from a visual aspect, this is a really, really well done. Um, it's also really It's filmed on location. So, the parts in Poland are actually filmed in Poland. They're going to go to the Czech Republic. They're going to go to France, I think. They did replace like a, a Belgian town. They took a French town to kind of <laughs> uh, and, and pretend it was in Belgium but that, that's, that's always they do that all the time like uh, in other series they will, they will show you something that looks like the Vatican but it's actually Caserta in Italy like where, where they filmed the Phantom Menace that's often used as a kind of stand in for, 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 um, for the Vatican for Vatican City where, where of course you can't film Anyway, they do that. And the story is this girl's fifteen years old, lives with this Eric in the woods and is trained as a, almost as a soldier, very shell- shielded from the rest of the world. And then we gradually discover that she was actually part of, and this is here is where it becomes more familiar territory. Uh, she was be, she was part of a kind of like a military uh, program where they would uh, convince mothers to give up their children for adoption and Eric. Uh, This is all revealed in the first episode. Eric has been working for that organization to recruit these women, uh, usually mothers in a difficult situation that couldn't take care of their uh, unborn child, and he would convince them, instead of uh, seeking an abortion, to hand over their, their children. So... In a way, that I was a bit surprised by that turn in, in the story. But then these children are basically used as, as fighting machines or raised as fighting machines. So they're injected with, uh, I think, wolf DNA or something like that. And, I mean, it's, uh, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's, it's a, that's kind of the fictional part of it. But anyway, so this girl is incredibly strong, extremely agile, but she doesn't know that her father rescued her. Her father basically fell in love with the mother of Hana uh, before Hana was born, and so he, he suddenly realizes, his conscience starts to work, that, that what he's been doing is wrong, and he needs to save at least this one child, so he does, and then raises Hana maybe also partially out of guilt and out of love, for the, the mother dies, and, um, and he feels responsible for this for this child, and so Hanna grows up uh, without knowing her, her identity and her background. And gradually, um, he uh, well, they have to at one point get away from the from the woods in Poland, and then this chase begins because the original uh, secret organization or secret operation is still looking for. Hannah was the only child who survived uh, the end of the program because basically after the abduction uh, everything got shut down and I think all the children got killed or murdered and so Hannah is you the, the sole survivor of this this horribly unethical program and uh, and the rest is so it feels a bit like Jason Bourne you know it's there's a lot of uh, trying to escape the pers- uh, pursuers which it always has been Good ingredients for uh, for a, for a TV series, The Fugitive. You may remember the, the the movie with Harrison Ford, but that was based on a TV show. And so uh, th- this this is almost a trope in a certain way. This gives it a new spin. It is wonderfully acted. It's very well directed. Also, I think the the show has a female director. I'm not sure if they have multiple directors, but at least you can you can tell that. Um, in the way the story is told, there are certain. I mean, it's you can feel that there, women have been also directing and writing the story. Um, I don't know how to how to explain that, but it's. I think it's, if this were like a classical Hollywood production with just the, the usual male directors, you wouldn't get that type of acting or writing. Maybe I'm a little bit too generic, and but it. But it it's like with Star Trek; you can tell that they have way more women writers on board, um, and it 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 it's a different way of storytelling. Um, at least that's my feelings. I wasn't surprised. we was looking this up on IMDb and I'm thinking, oh yeah, yeah, I think you can tell. Um, but but it's really helping, I think, the series. So anyway, Hannah uh, on Amazon Prime. In case you haven't got Amazon Prime, I'm sorry to expand <laughs> on this topic because you won't be able to watch it. Um, then I rewatched Age of Ultron. This is because I was, uh, as you know, big fan of uh, of Wanda Vision, and uh, I've got some. Some pushback from some people that didn't really like WandaVision or didn't didn't see why I was so enthusiastic about it. I recently listened listened to two more podcasts that go in depth and and explain all the details and all the like the hidden Easter eggs and the references and the 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 deeper layers basically of that series. And that actually did confirm well, helped me to realize why I like the series so much. Let's put it that way. So I can recommend you listen to School of Movies. Uh, they did, did a tremendous episode. The School of Movies is a podcast that is uh, produced in the UK. I've been following the the, the couple that, that, that records it together for many, many years. Um, it is, in my opinion, the best movie podcast out there. Um, and... They focused they, they did a, like an analysis of the first season of one division with two other people that each and each had their experience with grief, recent experience with grief. So it was a like a personal analysis of how much the series resonated with the, their own personal process it, and then combined with a lot of experience and knowledge when it comes to storytelling and uh, uh, and, and the, you know the, the, and movies and, and, and films. Great. Great, great analysis. Uh made me appreciate WandaVision so much more. And then also another American podcast, in case you prefer that, is um uh, now now the now playing podcast. Uh they also did like a two-hour analysis, which was a bit more um like the way they they analyze uh, almost all the other, they, they they review every single movie out there, including also the they're the huge Marvel fans. Um, so they, it's it's more matter of fact type of podcast, but also very enjoyable. And, and again, one of the qualities of that show is that they they show you all the things you missed while watching the series. So that's uh, give, They also give you a lot of background information on how the show was made and the choices that were made during the writing and the production of the show. Um, but because WandaVision, of course, v- features uh, Wanda, I, I and I, I've i only seen Age of Ultron once, so I went back and rewatched it, and uh, it was not the best Marvel movie, but still interesting. Uh, but it's incredible to see how much uh, Wanda herself as a character has evolved and how much it, at the beginning I didn't really care for Wanda and her brother what was his name like the super fast guy um now at the end of one division i i i think that she has really taken her place in in the in the marvel universe and i i do want to know what what the rest of her story is going to be and that to me is quality writing when you can do that you you can make me care about basically like grade D uh, kind of almost background characters. They did the same, of course, for Iron Man and, and, and Captain America, all these superheroes. They didn't have the rights to Spider-Man and, and, and all the other, the very famous superheroes. But what is so wonderful about the storytelling in Marvel is that they made you care. And in a certain way, Iron Man is more important than Spider-Man in, in the, in the, in the Marvel universe. Um, That is all due to great writing and character development. Then, from that is a small step to the new series currently on Disney Plus: The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. This was supposed to come much earlier than WandaVision, but because of COVID, the entire timeline or uh, publication timeline has been shuffled around. Um, But the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, from the looks of the trailer, was much more. Uh, standard stuff. It kind of looked, almost looked like mo- a movie. Uh, these episodes are way longer than WandaVision. They're 50 minutes each, which is almost feels like a small movie. That also has a downside. I've now watched the first two episodes, and I don't know if it's me, or maybe it's because I'm tired and there's so much on my mind, but I can't focus on the series. Like, the first episode... I watched it, and then as soon as it was over, I could barely remember what happened. It felt so generic. And um, maybe it's also because I don't really care that much for the the two characters. They've never been my favorite Marvel characters. Uh, But this series, (laughs) contrary to WandaVision, doesn't really help to make me empathize with them or be interested. It just there's a lot of action, I mean it looks gorgeous and it's amazing that we get to see stuff like this on TV but at the same time it feels also extremely run of the mill it's high quality run of the mill that's the weird thing, normally I would love to see this in the, at the movies and now I'm like well, I I just miss something in that story it doesn't grab me, but of course I've only watched two episodes, but I fell asleep both both times and uh, it, it, it feels too long also. Maybe if the episodes would be cut down to uh, maybe 30 minutes, it would work better. But in this case, to me, it's like all these action scenes. I'm like, okay, come on. Can we, can we get back to the story now, please? And, the, and a lot of it is, is like high-octane action, great special effects, and then dialogue, dialogue, dialogue. And boring, visually, it's boring. There's The writing is kind of... Underwhelming. It's not very funny. It's not. I don't know. Is it just? Is it me? Let me know in the comments. I'd love to hear your thoughts. But to me, the Falcon and Winter Soldier after WandaVision, it just doesn't work. It's. I expected something better. But maybe it's just me. Maybe I'll revise my state. I've been. You know, I, 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 I'm. I'm known for that. And sometimes I just. I'm just not in the mood for a certain story, and then later I get back to it, and I'm thinking, well, well, how could I be so negative about it? I love it now. But right now, the first two episodes, yeah, It's not must-see, must-watch television, not at all. And I think that Disney, that's actually what they hoped, that people would stay subscribed. Well, of course, I'll stay subscribed because it's, you know, Disney and Star Wars and stuff. But uh, this would not be a um, a selling point if I wasn't subscribed to Disney+, Plus. this wouldn't win me over. Um, Then, of course, this is also the week of the, finally the premiere of Zack Snyder's version of Justice League. Four hours. I haven't had time to watch it, honestly. I just... I can't right now. I maybe next week when everything's back to normal after Easter, but no, but no, I can't sit down and and watch a 4-hour movie. I will <laughs> I don't have the energy for that. But I'm happy to say that all the reviews are positive. They're not raving about it, but it has apparently uh tremendously improved the story of Justice League and and uh and also makes clear why Snyder actually at least he knew what he was doing, and it wasn't this kind of rushed job that 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 they asked Joss Whedon for. And I think, in a way, HBO probably is pretty happy in Warner that 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 they can kind of make the world forget a little bit about uh, Joss Whedon with all the controversy lately around his um, his behavior on set. And uh, Snyder, I have to say, I've watched a few um, interviews with him around the release of the Snyder Cut. And he seems like a genuinely nice guy. It's almost weird how nice and friendly he is if you look at the kind of dark the dark stories that this man tells. Um, but so I'm, I'm really looking forward to watching it. Some of my friends have already watched it, and they all are, uh, are very positive about, uh, about the movie. It's, not, it's absolutely not perfect, but it's a lot better than the original Justice League. Um, in, in, in preparation to watch... Because I've, this is all part of this, this trilogy of movies, starting with Man of Steel, and then Batman versus Superman, followed by Justice League. So I rewatched Man of Steel the other day, and um, I think I, I still have the same opinion that I had when I first watched it. I actually liked it. It was, it was good. It was unexpected. Very different from any other Superman movie uh, made before. Much darker. I loved all the expansion of the of the backstory, basically uh, about his father, about the the, the, the Krypton, uh, the, the the kind of the d- demise of Krypton. All that I think was done in a very original way. It's not my favorite. I'm still kind of old fashioned, and I I just the way they visualize some stuff is like Aquaman. I mean, it, yeah, it's great with with uh, Jason. Uh, 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 Momo, Momo, whatever his name is. Sorry about that. Uh, but but it's to me, it's still like so different from the Aquaman that 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 is part of the of the original comic universe. Um, sometimes it's a little bit too different, maybe. But then again, I'm I'm kind of old fashioned and I'm a bit nostalgic sometimes. But um, but anyway, so uh, visually. This is not the kind of Superman that I enjoy watching, but I can I can appreciate the the creativity and and the different approach. I like it when directors are 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 pushing the boundaries and are daring to go against our expectations. That is also why I still and I don't I know I'm I'm offending some of you, why I'm still such a huge fan of the Last Jedi because it kind of pushed against the boundaries and about against the conventions and to be creativity sometimes needs that to make, to shake things up, to make us realize that, you know, it's, of course, it's like food, you know. You can eat, you can, you can go to Kentucky Fried Chicken and eat the same menu every single week. And even though it's so yummy and good, at one point you just want to want to try something else. Well, in this case, uh, it's, it's like a, a like a, cinematic culinary taste but challenge or whatever (laughs) so i kind of like it when people are are thwarting our expectations so that but it's still not especially the end of man of steel kind of the entire culmination the final fight it just there's so much destruction and this is so not superman and i i also still believe and i I've said it before and I'll say it again. I think this time demands for something more optimistic. We've gone through our own like all the all the 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 uh near future fiction with the, all these dystopian worlds that we've been enjoying so much over the years. All that now is fading away because we're living in our own <laughs> strange dystopian present with the pandemic and everything. So in when everything is kind of gray and, and gloomy and you don't know when this nightmare is going to end, you need stories that lift you up. And so, yeah, give me more Shazam and less Men of Steel. But then again, that's just me. All right, it's time to move on to the next segment. Um, maybe next time I'll give you a re- the review of the first season of The Young Pope. I've watched the first episode, and man, that is weird. And I don't know. Maybe it'll get better, but I'm I'm not seeing it right now. But it's I've only watched half of the first episode, but uh, so far I, I'm I'm not liking it. Maybe it'll get better. You'll hear it soon enough here on the show. <laughs> Catholics rock. Here on the Peculiar Bunch, we're always happy to tell you everything you always wanted to know about Catholics, but you're afraid to ask. Catholics can be a peculiar bunch. No meat on Friday. No meat? What do they eat, light bulbs? And this week, of course, i got to give you a primer of what's to come for the Catholic Church next week, which is Holy Week. I'll just kind of summarize what's going to happen. Man, you guys got more crazy rules than blockbuster videos. Ask anyone, you know, what is the most popular, most important uh, feast for Catholics? Probably most people would say Christmas, and then they think a little bit, and there's like, yeah, that um, thing with uh, what was that movie, The Passion of Christ? Uh, that that's stuff, but it's less obvious. But people love Christmas, and of course, they love Easter combined with the Easter eggs and all the cheerfulness of springtime. But the whole story of the passion of the Christ, that is not among stories that people enjoy. And it's not meant, of course, to be enjoyed. It is something to be celebrated, and that is something different. And we celebrate it because it is, for Catholics, for Christians, the most important aspect of their faith. It is that Christ is the Son of God, so it's God himself who lived among us, um, and died for us. Uh, it's a sacrifice of love which then redeemed us and saved us from death and sin. Um, so it is, and it's absolutely vital to always think about the passion of Christ as a, a week where we celebrate how far love can go. If you forget about love, that it's all about love, that becomes something completely weird and shocking and why would you celebrate the death of someone who was so so good and so inspiring as was jesus well if you see this as it's not just jesus not just a victim but he was someone who gave himself even though he knew that it would cost him his life then all of a sudden we start to recognize this because this is what love is all about. This is what also in our own relationships, in our own personal life, love is often about. It's not just about the happy butterflies you feel, but it's often love expresses itself in the form of sacrifice, in the form of giving yourself away, not letting the world revolve around you, but around the people that you love, whether it is a spouse or a husband or children or, or, or the poor or the people that are sick um, I know so many parents who, who would tell me I would die for my child if I can save my child by giving my own life I would do it why? because I love my child and I think that's true tr- tr- love can go to that to that uh, extreme and I think that's it. always look at Holy Week from that angle and you'll start to understand why it's so important because we need to hear this, we need to be reminded that love is not just about happy feelings, and as, long, as soon as those feelings are gone, then basically there's 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 no there's no sequel. <laughs> but if you look at you know the best stories are stories about sacrifice. Think about, about Star Wars. Um, about you know uh, Obi Wan Kenobi sacrificing himself to save Luke and Leia and to make sure that their story continues. Basically, Luke and Leia are in a certain way his children, even though a Jedi don't Jedi don't get children. But but Obi Wan Kenobi in a certain way was a spiritual father to the to these twins. And we don't know that when the when we first learn about Luke and Leia that. The, but then later on, you more and more start to understand what a sacrifice it was for him to let himself be slaughtered by, by Darth Vader. It was a sacrifice of redemption, and ultimately the sacrifice that led to the ultimate conversion of Darth Vader, of Anakin Skywalker. Had Obi-Wan Kenobi held held on to his life, then maybe Anakin would have never been redeemed. So you see that even in, uh, in, in these modern stories that we tell each other, you have that same thematic depth of love, sacrifice, redemption. And that is what Holy Week is all about. It starts on Palm Sunday. If you want, you can join me for the stream of that celebration, which is the entry of Jesus in Jerusalem, and he's heralded as the Messiah. Um, he even goes through the gate. Um, when I went to Holy the Holy Land uh, before COVID, I saw that with my own eyes. I heard the stories about, you know, this this one gate in the walls, in the city wall of Jerusalem uh, with these Kind of beautiful, I think, even golden doors or something like that that would only open for the Redeemer to pass through, and uh, and the, they've been been closed uh, for for centuries, um, and so. The moment that Jesus enters and then all the buzz is already going around, well, maybe this is the Messiah. And then, of course, that entire story turns around because in the same liturgy, we also read the story of the passion of Christ and that he was apprehended. And it, this is just a few days later. So the world there goes from exuberance and exaltation exult, uh, to hatred. And, and so you can tell how quickly the situation turns for Jesus. Jesus does not change. But people change. And Jesus stays the same. He keeps loving. He keeps sacrificing himself. No matter what people, if, whether people cheer him on or, or hurl insults at him, his, his love remains in all circumstances. That is a huge example for all of us. Then the Holy Week continues uh, with the celebrations of the, what we call the Paschal Tritium. Tritium is Latin, of course, for three days. And those are the day that we that we uh, remember the uh, the Last Supper, during which Jesus does two important things. He washes the feet of the of of his apostles, saying that they have to do the uh, the same. So he's not there to be served; he came to serve us to make himself humble as a slave. Again, giving his life, making himself small, so he could lift up others. And then, of course, it's what we call the institution of the Eucharist, when Jesus. Uh, uh, prays, uh, says the blessing over the bread and gives it to his apostles with the words this is my body and then at the end of the meal he shares the cup saying this is my blood and then he adds do this in memory of me that is what the church has been doing for more than 2,000 years now and we as Catholics believe that this was literal uh, This is, this, is, this is my body this is my blood do this in memory of me his presence is tangible, literally. When we go to communion, we receive not just a representation or a symbol of his love, we receive this love in person. You can't get more intimate with God in a certain way. So that's extremely important for, for our Catholics uh, to commemorate that day that Jesus gave himself to us and continues to give. And so when we celebrate the Eucharist, this is not a repeat it's not a uh, like a version 1000 as if we're in a matrix, and all this has happened before and will happen again. No, it is we become present to the one sacrifice that Jesus gave. So it is, it's kind of a transcendent moment where we are lifted up beyond the constraints of time and space, and we become co- so it's not just the divine presence, the real presence of Jesus among us. It's also our real presence. In the company of jesus at that moment it is very deep very deep stuff goes way beyond uh symbolism and then uh holy thursday is followed by the, the second day of the tritium which is uh good friday during which is the only day during the year that the eucharist is not celebrated uh instead we read the long version of the of the story of the passion of christ and we venerate the cross um, as a, a sign of, of, of love, of response to this sacrifice that Jesus gives of his, by giving his life, dying for us. Um, and, uh, and then the third day of the tritium is, starts with the Easter vigil, which is literally you stay awake with Jesus like he asked you know in the in the garden uh, right before he is apprehended can you can you please stay with me and and stay awake with me because my hour has come and then they all fall asleep so in, during the vigil we stay with Jesus under the cross and we wait for the morning of the resurrection and so in the middle of that darkness we light a fire the fire is blessed and the candle the easter candle is lit by that fire, and it's carried into a completely darkened church, of course now with COVID regulations and the evening clock, we'll probably have to kind of smuggle this into the day, or it won't be entirely dark, but the the idea is clear. The light of the resurrection shines in the darkness of death and, and sin, and that light has not gone out ever since, and it will continue to guide us through the darkest of times, Jesus has already conquered darkness and that leads to the morning of Easter where of course you know the full um, hallelujah the entire the jubilation about the resurrection of Christ and his victory over death um, is, is celebrated that in a nutshell is what Holy Week is all about when did you become an expert in thermonuclear astrophysics last night, the packet the extraction theory papers? Am I the only one who did the reading? I read a book that I was intrigued uh, by because I've seen it in the top 10 of so many bookstores. Even when I was still flying and traveling, I saw it everywhere and every airport had copies of this, and it was heralded as one of the, you know, best-selling books from Denmark, which is a country that, you know. Denmark that's lego country this is what le- what this book is not about lego it is about huga and you 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 spell it differently you spell it h y g g e but according to wikipedia you have to pronounce it as huga uh, uh, almost sounds like a from a, from a song in the guardians of the galaxy huga huga <laughs> This is a guide, according to the book itself, a guide to Danish, the Danish philosophy of comfort, of togetherness, of well-being. The word hygge only exists in Denmark. And according to the Danish writer, Mike Wiking, which sounds so Danish, <laughs> he also reads it, uh, the audiobook version that I listened to, uh, he says... This is just so Danish and I can only describe it, which he then does for many. Actually, I'm not even sure if it's a he or she. I think it's a he, but I'm not sure if Mike is a, I think it must be like Mike, but you again, you spell it M-E-I-K. Anyway, so no, I know it's a guy because he's reading it. Duh, my brain is not functioning anymore. <laughs> anyway, so the little book of Huga is all about this, you know, how the Danish people get together and create atmosphere, basically. And I was intrigued, because we have a similar word, which is not the same word, and it doesn't express the same idea, but it is, again, a word that is unique for the Dutch, and it's very important to us. And that's the word gezellig. Gezellig, or gezelligheid, is, well, again, uh, it's hard to pronounce. It's this... The, the the it's the idea of being together and having a good time but it's not exuberant gezellig is you know you just talk about stuff you have a cup of coffee and some nice cookies or cake and it's warm and friendly and cozy and all that is gezellig well huga is something similar only it, it's more maybe this is because Denmark is a little bit more to the north compared to Germany and, and Holland Um, where it's often during the year it's often quite dark Uh, the days are not very long the more northern you get is that true actually? the winters are long and so this is all about lighting candles and campfires and reading books and being together and sharing together and playing board games together and all that and basically every chapter is like a a (laughs) they give examples of hygge and I think the reason that this is such a success is that we Actually, kind of somewhere deep down inside, we long for huga in our own lives. We we would like to snuggle up on a couch uh, and have candles all around us and uh, uh, smell roasted chicken from the oven or or freshly baked cookies, and then just sit there with a good book and a cup of hot chocolate. That all that is huga, um, and so maybe it's not that unique to Denmark. We all kind of long for that but we also all miss it. We live in such frenetic times where we just, you know, put something in the microwave or we go out for for dinner at a restaurant or fa- fast food. We hardly ever take time to kind of snuggle up and be cozy and feel cozy and read a book. But we know that we should. We know that it's good for us. So if you want to have some more examples on how you, you can create a bit of hygge in your own life and you want to get kind of get a sense, although there's actually a chapter that talks about the Dutch word gezelligheid and explains the differences and similarities. Uh, but if you want to get a feel for, you know, things that are important to, I think the Danish and the Dutch are are in, in a way similar on, in, in this respect, uh, then by all means, check out the little book of Huga. A scientifically wonderful world of science. What sort of science welcome back science friends Well, in the meantime the Mars rover is still uh racing around on on Mars uh, they're actually trying out the, you know all the different aspects of it, and uh, we don't hear that much about it right now, but it's very cool to know that they are slowly kind of building out building up this this program and and um and, of course, taking lots of photos and film material. Did you hear the audio from Mars? That was such a genius move to put some microphones so you can hear the, the wind on Mars. And it's, I don't know, there's something about the audio that is maybe even more real than just video. The first time I heard those audio recordings, I'm like, wow, I can't believe I If I close my eyes, I'm there. And I'd probably die. <laughs> because of the circumstances there. But, um, yeah, I I hope to see more. That is actually the only thing I need to move on because it's getting late and the light is disappearing and I'm sitting here in front of a green screen now. Very afraid that soon I won't be able to use use it anymore. (laughs) Wow. Well, what does that mean? Let's plug it in. It's going to say, hey, I see you've plugged in a new device and it's going to load in the appropriate drivers. You'll notice that this scanner built well all your technology stuff just ends in disaster but there is one more thing oh i'm going to be so dependent on simple technology for the weeks to come uh, since i have to pack all my equipment um and i'm going to return some of the cameras that i uh that i use from the television the broadcasting company that i work for I am going to have to reduce all my tech to just the basics. And I will tell you what I'm going to take with me to Father Henry's rectory and that I'll be using for the for both streaming, for producing TV, and for podcasting. Um, just a summary of what I'm going to put on my desk first. I'm going to, of course, take my Rodecaster. I'm, of course, going to take a microphone. I'm not going to take the Heil PR-40 that I'm currently using, which is a wonderful microphone, but it's also kind of bulky and big. Uh, so instead, I'm going to just re- use a very cheap microphone uh, that I bought a while ago. I cannot remember the name, but it was just one of those very good price-quality buys. And uh, the only downside is that it is a little bit um, more sensitive. So if you use it, like, it pops a little bit. Like, this one does not pop. So I, I like, right in front of the ILPR40, 40, 40, but if I say... P Harry Potter. There's not this, this boom. Uh, the other microphone has that, so I'm also going to take a pop filter, which basically prevents that from happening. Um, and with the post-processing in the Rodecaster, it will probably sound more or less like this one. Maybe not as crispy, but still, it will sound good enough. I'm going to take my Logitech Brio camera. I'm going to take my a collapsible green screen with me, which is one of the most amazing things that I've ever bought. This is also from Elgato, and uh, you can collapse it. It's like a, an old-fashioned projection screen. Uh, if you've, uh, if you're old like me, you may know these from, you know, those days, those evenings where you were invited by the neighbors to go and see their their um, their photos from vacation, and they would use this. <laughs> <laughs> collapsible screen is very similar but it's green screen I'm also going to use the Elgato lights p- put them on front of uh, in front of me so basically it doesn't really matter where I am in the world it will still look acceptable and I will have those lights which I lack right now. I'm streaming this also live on YouTube, and uh, it's it, the camera is constantly adapting to the 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 light getting lower and lower and lower because I'm sitting in front of the computer basically, and there's a little bit of daylight left. But it's so it's getting grainier, and I don't know, it's <laughs> messing up my image quality. Um, so that's what I'm going to be able to use to continue to feed my YouTube channel, and actually I'll have m- more time. So. Yeah, you definitely want to be subscribed to my YouTube channel. I won't be able to do any Lego because all the Lego is packed. By the way, that is like in half of my boxes. It's Lego. I was shocked to see how much Lego I had accumulated over the past three years. Only three years. There's way too much Lego. Um, But fortunately, in the next rectory, I'll have way more space and even more room than in this one. So I'm thinking about making a real Lego city. It's one rectangular room, and I don't know what to do with it. But I think it would be wonderful for a big Lego city. Anyway, you'll hear more about it uh, in the future. And then for streaming, we're also going to go back to basic. So I'm just going to use the Canon M50. I'm going to hook it up via USB to my trusty old MacBook Air, um, which I think can handle uh, one HD camera. We'll use the Rode... um, the road it's a little clip-on microphone so i'm just going to use wired uh audio because here in saint joseph church we were using the audio system of the church but in the day chapel of the church in wageningen there is no audio in the day chapel so we'll have to do i'm basically going to use the same sound solution that i use when you've ever watched my lego live streams that's the microphone that i'm going to use It'll be a little bit of a hassle, but it will do the job. I'm I'm sure it will do the trick. And I'm going to use my Aperture lights, which are also amazing. I'm so happy I bought those. Aperture, A P U T U R E, uh, is one of the best brands for studio lighting. And I bought uh, three spotlights. Two have a kind of a white color, daylight color, and one you can also turn into more yellow, so you can create like a nice glow a nice warm color Uh, we've been using these for over a year now here in saint joseph church and i'm going to take them to the new chapel and make sure the lighting is good because light is everything when it comes to video you can't have decent video without good lights that's why i always recommend people that are in asking me for advice when it comes to streaming for their you know in their parish make sure that you have good audio and good light. And if the light isn't, don't just use the regular lights you use in church because they're not meant to light the faces. They're usually, it's directional light or it is light uh, with, you know, wrong colors. Um, It is worth investing in a few good studio lamps if you want to stream, of course. Um, So that's what I'm going to use there. Uh, For my own... Work, I'll probably also take my, well, actually, I'm certain I will take my iPad and I use the iPad also as a laptop. Uh, I have this clip-on Logitech keyboard, which is fantastic. I use it all the time. I never disconnect it from my iPad again. Uh, it turns the iPad into a, in, into such a versatile, uh, it's not really a replacement for the desktop, but almost. And then I'm, I'm also going to take my computer, this this big computer with me, uh, because I just need the horsepower to play video games, not nah, just kidding i need <laughs> I needed to edit my uh, my video work. I still have three episodes to edit of my journey to Santiago and that's all that's all um and all the rest is in boxes already, and I will only unpack it um well, maybe in two, three months from now. Let's hope it'll all go swiftly. And with that, I need to start wrapping things up. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you're a patron, of course, there will be an episode of Father Roderick to the Max. And the next show, the next couple of shows, will be coming from you, from my new temporary home in Wageningen, the Netherlands. And if you want to know where that is, just look it up on Google Earth. Thanks for those of you in the chat room. Alan. Um, will Get back to your questions uh, after I'm done recording this show. See you later.